a podcast. Did your radio show get canceled? Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. Schooled myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure, even in fury and anomaly properties. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Yes, that's what the show is. Uh, you email us, askpeteatpeteplanner.com. We answer your questions every week. We get a lot of emails, and we do our best to answer them on the air, or I write about them in my newspaper column. You can find it. Well, just about anywhere. This week, we tackle three questions. I get a little rasp, a little holiday rasp for you in my voice. Uh, so you're thinking, does he smoke? And the answer is no. I just have a cold. Uh, credit scores. <clears throat> I got a good question about credit scores. I actually wrote about my column this week, but we're also going to cover it on the radio. The next, uh, next topic is going to be investing in your career. What it looks like to invest in your career. I like that. And finally, a question on health insurance. Someone coming off of their parents' plan wants to know what their options are for health insurance, which will also double as a I get to rant about health insurance uh, segment. So everybody loves that. Of course, biggest waste of money of the week. Uh, producer Nicole joins us for her second to last week on the show. Hello, Nicole. Oh, why you got to do that to me? Well, I don't know. I mean, no, I'm not. I, you know, so anyway, second to last week. Hello, Nicole. Hello. Um, so we're going to get started. You ready to go? Yeah. All right, here we go. Dear Pete, currently purchasing a house, and I noticed on my credit report that my score is 807 points. One of the items hurting it is length. My accounts have been open. I have a Lowe's, Home Depot, and Discover cards, all worth, or pardon me, all with zero balances. Should I close them? If so, all at once, or filter them over the course of time? I've always liked having them for just in case, but I don't use them very often. Thoughts, Todd. Thank you for your question, Todd. <laughs> I have very pointed feelings about this question. And Todd, I am not shooting the messenger. Let me just get clear here because I'm going to get tough guy. I'm going to get radio tough guy on you. But it's not your fault, Todd. Todd, you have been bamboozled. You have been tricked. You have been hoodwinked. Every single one of us have. Like collectively, we've decided we're going to let some otherwise meaningless score mean a lot to us. And in the process, here's what's happened. We've made decisions that make no sense whatsoever. And it, in turn, uh, damaged otherwise meaningful signs of financial stability. You care too much about your credit, Todd. You have an 807. You're done. That's fine. 850 is perfect. The goal is not to have perfect credit. Anytime you have, I don't know, over 750, in my book, it doesn't matter after that. And I don't think anyone's goal is to have great credit because credit scores are not what they used to be. They're completely different. And by the way, if you hear this sound throughout the segment today, I'm clicking a pen. You're thinking, is it significant? No, I'm just clicking a pen. There's no significance. But Todd, there is significance to you caring way too much about your credit. It doesn't matter. Credit scores today are still popular and are still a thing. And people make you think they matter for one reason to gamify the process of selling your decision analytics. What's that? Decision analytics. Every time you swipe your card anywhere, Visa, MasterCard, AmeriExpress, Discover, don't care, Home Depot card, Lowe's card. Todd, why do you have a Lowe's and a Home Depot card, first of all? 
That's not the point of the segment, but come on, choose a store. <laughs> I'm sorry. Every time you swipe your card, dozens of data points are collected. Dozens. When you swiped it, what you bought, what time of day, uh, what store, what location of the store, all those things are collected. So over time, your decision analytics records are collected, your data. I always forget you have to use data. The plural of data is data. And so you have to say data are instead of data is. But I'll always slip up. And I think data are sounds sloppy anyway, even though it's right. It's like when people pronounce words correctly that are obnoxious, like mature. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Todd, what's happening is the more you're convincing yourself you need your 807 to go to 850, the more and more and more and more your decision analytics are being sold. That is to say people are buying your decision analytics, which is a roadmap to your decision making, and using that data, plural, against you. Sounds like science fiction, I know. You're thinking, oh, it's a conspiracy theory. That guy's wearing a tinfoil hat. First of all, no, I'm not. Since I've shaved my head, tinfoil is not a good conductor of heat, and uh, I cannot keep warm enough, so I'm wearing a standard lamb's wool. <laughs> Sorry. Nicole, I'm going to miss your laughter. What's going to happen when you're gone, and I do the show myself, and no one laughs? It'll sort of just be like everyday life, right? Yeah. 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 Pretty much. So here's what happens. A lot of times people are like, oh, no, I don't... Uh, I don't eat a lot of junk food. This is the example I use in my column this week. Well, I don't use a lot of junk food. Guess what? Your decision analytics know differently. They know that you buy an economy box of ding-dongs every other Thursday at 8.57 at the same grocery store on 95th Street. That's what decision analytics do. They know everything about you. They know what you're going to do next. Your brain knows what you're going to do next, but you, as the entity that owns the brain, doesn't actually know. You, you don't cognitively go, oh... I'll probably go here, but you're going to because the data knows you're going to do that because those are your habits. So every time you buy into the idea that your credit score matters in the year 2018 and beyond, you are only perpetuating the problems that are presented to you. The problems presented to you are this, your decision analytics are used against you. Again, this is not science fiction. Simply read the book, Future Crimes by Mark Goodman. It's a horrifying book. It's true. It's a nonfiction book. Future Crimes, Inside the Digital Underground and the Battle for Our Connected World. I highly recommend you read that book, especially if you're sleeping too well and you want to stop sleeping so well. Mark Goodman, Mark with a C. Why? I don't know. They're out of case. I don't know why he has a C in his name. I don't think our credit scores matter, especially if they're above and above 750. Yes, they'll give you the best interest rates. Yes, other rates such as insurance premiums are based on credit scores. But there's no reason to have a perfect score. That, that shouldn't be a goal. People tell me that all the time. I, I have perfect credit. I'm sorry. You seem like a nice person, but I just don't care. It means nothing. It means that there's a tremendous amount of data on you that is consistently used against you. And you don't even know it. Why do uh, credit card points and travel reward, why do all those things exist is a fair question to ask in this, in this scenario as well. They, they don't exist so that you will, they can just give you free money. Think about this. They got all these rewards, cards, and cash back. Do, do they exist because the company's like, how can we give Daryl more money? In what way can we get... Red Lobster gift cards into Daryl's hands. Like, th that's not the point. 
the reason that those programs exist is to A, induce spending. They are, are dangling a carrot to get you to act a particular way because it makes them more money. And you think, well, it's a win-win. No, it's not actually. If you spend more money or you change your behaviors or even by swiping cards instead of paying cash, you're giving more people more data about you which will eventually turn into more spending for you because you will be specifically marketed to in a way that will induce more spending. Again, not science fiction. This is true. This is what's happening. I've given you the number before. I think it's 86, 87% of the revenue from credit bureaus, which I like to call data bureaus because I'm pithy. I don't know. Um, comes from selling your data in your, in your decision analytics. The remaining revenue comes from selling you identity theft protection. So here you are thinking you're preventing people you don't want to have your data from having your data and all along, guess what's happening? All your data is being sold. All of your data is being sold and that data is valuable because it tells companies what you're going to do. It can be manipulated. So Todd, your 807 is fine. And yes, close your carts. It doesn't matter. Your score will go down. Once you're, you close on your mortgage, on the purchase of this new home, close your cards, your score will go down. It doesn't matter. You have an 807. You're not buying anything anytime again soon. And by the way, everyone freeze your credit. It will prevent people from selling some of your decision analytics. Coming up after the break, more of my raspy voice holiday edition. I'm Pete the Planner. Question the right of any man. The voice his opinion as strongly as any can. But then again, many men are citizens of their own little world, so they ain't really fitting in. I'm in the background blending in. Camouflaged by the scenery, but I'm back on the Pizza Planner show, answering your money questions. Except no one really asked me this. But I need to uh, go on Andy Rooney. I'm feeling cranky today, Nicole. Do I sound cranky? I don't know. I'm in kind of a mood too. Yeah. Oh, are you I'm saying I'm in a mood? No. Are you uh, saying I'm in a mood? Yeah. A little bit, but I'm, but I'm not. I'm like in a really good mood. Right. I'm just sleepy. I think that there's just been a lot going on this week. Yeah. I mean, a full yeah. week. It's been a full week. It's been a full week. So here's what we're doing. Um, this this segment is about <laughs> investing in your career. That sigh. I'm sorry. I know. That I just sigh. People are going to get weirded out by this segment. I don't really care. Uh, okay. when, so here's the thing, guys. We're going to look at this from two perspectives. I want to talk about investing in your career. And, and there's a couple ways that I'm going to go with this. First of all, what I mean is investing. Invest is, is by the way, people use that word a lot to justify dumb decisions. Like when people say like an engagement ring and is an investment in a relationship, that's sort of a dumb idea, just so you know. I mean, nothing wrong with engagement rings, but to use the I word is dumb. Uh, sorry, Nicole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, here's where I'm going. When you invest in your career, what you're doing is you're taking money that you would otherwise use for something else, the money that is many times derived from your career itself, income. Yes. Or you're taking time that your career affords you and you're using that time to either eventually create more time or more 
money for yourself. The classic example is you're stuck in the middle of your career. I, I say stuck. It's a little, a little aggressive, but we'll go with stuck. And you don't see a lot of upward mobility. You don't see income. You don't see the company you're working for growing. And so you're forced to make a decision because your career, and despite the fact that you work for the company you're working for, there's, they work together in the moment, but, but really they're independent. Your career needs to happen independent of the people you work with. And, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's what I mean. Let's say you're in a position and you're like, I don't see myself going anywhere. I'm just sort of in a dead end situation. You need to consider going back to school to find what you want to do. Now, there's another way to go with this too. No, I don't want you spending tens of thousands of dollars blindly not knowing what you want to do. You clearly want to dip your toe into the waters of this other career and understand the, uh, the job prospects after the fact. I think a lot of times people go back to school blindly or you know, the classical one is to go back and get an MBA and just assume that that will increase your income, which is a, a horrific mistake. Mm -hmm. But I'm talking about something like, hey, you're in the service industry, like uh, the trades, plumbing, heating, air conditioning, whatever, which, by the way, is an amazing industry. We can make a lot of money there. And you say, you know what? I want to be a nurse or, you know what? I want to be a teacher. I think having the courage to figure out what you want to do and by taking the time and the money to do so, almost always pays off if you've got a good plan. If you don't like your job and you decide, I'm going to go back to school and figure out what I want to do, that's probably the wrong order within the plan. You kind of have to know before you choose to make that investment. And that's why a college education for a kid coming out of high school can be dangerous because that period of time you put faith into yourself that you're going to figure out what you want to do within the next four years. And many people do not. And, and that is very normal. You do find that the people that figure out what they want to do sooner rather than later within that college experience usually are better off because of it, because they become more purposeful. Let me, let me explain this from a different perspective. So I, I'm a business owner. I have several employees. Uh, we have plans for our business as it continues to grow. Things are going great. But the way I look at investing in my career as a business owner and any other business owner listening right now will, will uh, agree, if I want my business to grow, what I'm investing in is, uh, what I'm foregoing, I should say, is more income and time myself right now. I could either A, take some of the profit for the business, which is rightfully mine because I own the business, and take a big profit and pay taxes on it, of course, and and buy a boat. I would never do that. But you know, I could do whatever I wanted with it, right? So that's one way to look at it. Or I could work 20 hours a week and enjoy some of the flexibility that my job currently affords me. Or if you wanted to look at it from an investing in your career standpoint, what you would do is you would take less profit, maybe even lower your own salary, so you can continue to grow and hire other pieces that will create more revenue and more time for you in the future. So I tell you all this because a, you know, as I look at my business and not that you care, um, you know, we're going through a period of great growth right now, which is really, really exciting. So I say this to you today, just to reinforce to myself, uh, the excitement and the opportunity costs that are exchanged with that. 
but really to extend this whole idea to your career alone. You don't necessarily own a business, but you own your career. There was this article, I think it was in the Washington Post this week, about the increasing trend in ghosting from an employment perspective. Now, anyone who is 30 or younger knows what ghosting is. It's when you just cut off communications with someone or something immediately. Nicole, let's say... I just love that you're explaining ghosting. Well, the audience of this show, maybe, I mean, the radio audience of this is generally not 30 and under for being, for being real here. So ghosting is when you just disappear. You don't communicate your intentions. You just stop communicating. So the trend in employment with ghosting, Nicole, is really a byproduct of where we are for lots of reasons. But it's when you come to work one day, no yeah. indication that anything is wrong uh, and normal than anything else. The next day, you just don't show up. You never tell anyone you, where you are. They might think you're dead. You don't answer emails, texts, phone calls, and you've just gone and taken another job. This apparently is a trend now, and, and people are pointing to a few things. They're pointing to uh, low unemployment, that people can go get higher-paying jobs elsewhere, and they're pointing to low social skills um, and sensibility as the reason this is happening. Now, I think both of those, you could point to them and say, well, that, that sort of makes sense. But I think more than anything, to me, it illustrates how often employers and employees don't just call it what it is and understand that the employee has a career that needs to be managed and maintained, and the employer must recognize that. And the employer not recognizing that the employee has choices to make and you need to make it a reasonable workplace. I think the the culture of or I guess the trend towards healthy workplace culture and employee engagement, it's a beautiful trend because what it does is it doesn't necessarily say as the employer to the employee, I'm loyal to you. That's not what it's saying. It's saying, I understand you have a choice and I appreciate that you're choosing to work here. And I think this trend of ghosting is coming from places that are just intolerable to work because the employer just doesn't even acknowledge that the person has a career that needs to be managed and maintained. So what I'm saying to you today, <laughs> I told you I'm in a mood, right? You, hey, you've got defensive when I said that I was in a mood. I was kidding. I was kidding. You're in a mood. I am in a mood. It's but not a bad mood. I'm just like right. in a, a passionate mood because I feel like when you look at your career, that sometimes you think it's just going to progress along a linear path up. And it's just not. It's just not. You have to either, you know, bow out of a particular position to take another one that makes more sense. There's nothing wrong with that. No feelings are hurt, especially if you go into the employment with the idea that, a company needs something out of you while you're there. And when you're there, you're still, it's, you're still on your career path. But I think for career changers and for people that are trying to figure out what to do, I'm just encouraging you to have the courage to make that decision, especially in our low unemployment environment. If the economy is about to turn on its nose here in the next couple of years, I would rather be doing what you want to do rather than being chained to some job that doesn't necessarily make sense for you. Have the courage to invest the time and money into your career. Coming up after the break, health insurance. I'm Pete the Planner. Hi, I'm internet podcaster Peter Dunn. You may know me as Pete the Planner. You hear me on the radio 
and on your podcasting device. But did you know you can also see me on YouTube? That's right. We have a YouTube channel and we call it PeteThePlanner.tv. We ask you to subscribe so you can catch great shows like Pete's Eats and this here podcast with drawings. But the drawings are made with a video camera. Subscribe today. In like the end of the game at the casino. I lean so the glare of the rear view don't hit me. Swiftly through the avenues and boulevards. Old soul playing on my speakers. Old soul but young and age of all player. Not from the Himalayas. Back on the Pete the Planner show. The he's in a mood edition of the show. Happy holidays everybody. If you're listening on the radio right now. What we got like a week or something? Right Nicole? Yeah. How's that work? I think. That's a see. Sunday. It's 16th? Yeah. yeah. Nine days. I did the math. Wow. If you're listening on the podcast, I don't know when you're listening, so you're on your own, pal. Good luck with your life. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was so... That was, I'm messing around. Oh, my around. gosh. All right. So here's the deal. Mrs. Planner and I had to make our healthcare choices this year. As you know, here at uh, Pete the Planner World Headquarters, uh, we are a small organization. I mean, relatively small. We have less than 50 people, which means generally you just don't have health insurance through, through your employer. And so... Everyone has health insurance on their own or through their spouse or whatever. But for Mrs. Planner and I, it means we, we buy our health insurance through the marketplace. We, we made our decision again this week. We went with the exact same plan we had last year, which includes a $13,000 deductible, a tw- now a $1,240 a month payment, and uh, it's an HSA. So we max out our HSA each year. Now, here's the thing. I, I'm comfortable with that. It stinks. I mean, I wish I didn't have to pay $1,200 a month for health insurance, but it is what it is. I, I don't really lose too much sleep over that. I'm not belly aching. Uh, however, this uh, question that we got from Carrie, is this a K-A-R-I? Would you call it Kari? Carrie? Carrie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Her question is, <laughs> she says, please keep my personal information anonymous. Thanks. Is that personal? I don't. I mean, I, I didn't like, use her last name. No, and, there's it, a lot of Carries in the world. Okay, I won't say what city she lives in. No. What if there's just one Carrie though, spelled that way, oh and God. now everyone knows who this and is? And we've ruined it. Carrie, I was listening to the radio, and this man named Keith the Planner said, <laughs> <"Yep." clears throat> "Hi, Pete. I'm 25 years old and work two part-time jobs in a very big city. See, I just uh, uh, anonymized yeah, that. There you go. Is that the word anonymized? Um, it is now, at least for the rest of the segment. In one year." I will no longer. I don't like my voice. I feel like I was really dialed into this like deep, sultry, pipey voice, and now I'm just sort of it's raspy. I feel like I need a humidifier in my house. Ooh. In one year, I will no longer be able to remain on my parents' health insurance. Do I need a full-time job to receive health benefits, or do I have other options? Thank you, Kari. Here's the thing. I'm so sad for this situation, not because a person shouldn't buck up and have their own health insurance. I mean, Frank, here in a couple of years, this is your situation, right? Yeah. But you have a full-time job and you will have a full-time job. I will. Yes. Um, So let's break this down from a few different, there's the easy answer to this, Kari, uh, which is (laughs) you're going to just have to go to the exchange. I mean, if, if the healthcare exchange still exists at this time next year, you will, or, or whenever you um, need the coverage, you just go to healthcare.gov, like I did this week. You enter your age, where you live, and you select a plan. It'll probably cost you a couple hundred bucks a month. That's it. That's the easy answer to the question, okay? However, it's a little more complicated than that, if, if we want it to be, especially given that we're making a radio segment out of it. 
cut off. This is the bad part about having two part-time jobs. And it's also why a lot of employers, and this is this is a very anecdotal observation, and so I have no data to back it up. Just I'm just pointing that out. So if you want to argue with it, you're probably right and I'm probably wrong. That's why a lot of pl- employers choose part-time workers because then they don't have to, by, by rule, by law, to offer benefits like health coverage. So the, the person can never get enough hours to justify extending benefits to them. Large organizations do this. Starbucks does this. I mean, lots of companies like that do this. I don't know where you work, Carrie. I mean, you work two part-time jobs. I'm just going to make a guess, and I have no reason to think this, but one of those jobs might be from a very big organization and where she would work part-time, and the other one might be smaller or might be, who knows? I'm like, who cares? No one one really knows. But the reality is, unless you go full-time with one of those, which might not even be an option for you, you're going to have to get your health coverage in the marketplace. Now, why this is significant is for, uh, there's, there's a, several things going on here. Number one, let's say you have a pre-existing condition that, I mean, I don't know, just say you got something bad. Uh, you, you choose this hypothetical bad thing that you have. Years ago, health insurance would either be so unbelievably expensive for you that you couldn't get it, so you'd go without coverage, thus ruining your financial life because something's wrong with you, uh, health-wise, so you're going to need health care, which you can't afford, and you'd go hundreds of thousands of dollars into health care debt. That sounds very uh, extreme, but it's not extreme. That's exactly what happened. Uh, it continues to happen in some respect. Or you would be declined coverage altogether because uh, of your condition. So you would either have coverage that's so expensive that you couldn't afford, but you had to do it anyway, uh, or you would choose not to get healthcare coverage because it was so expensive, or you would be declined altogether, but b- both end up being the same thing as which you, you go permanently broke because of, of healthcare debt, or you'd have to file bankruptcy. The good news about the Affordable Care Act, and, and affordable being the functional word there, um, is that it does give you somewhat reasonably priced health coverage. Now, I know I'm going to get horrible emails about that one word reasonable just there, but... Um, carry for two to 300 bucks a month, you should be able to get coverage. Now, you can also choose to not cover yourself. You're going to pay a small penalty, but depending on your income, you could also be subsidized and be given some cost breaks on what the coverage costs. So it shouldn't be that bad. So Carrie, here's what I'm telling you. When you turn 26 was when you fall off your parents' health insurance, go to healthcare.gov, enter your information. It should be a couple hundred bucks, hundred couple hundred bucks a month and you should be good to go. Or if for some reason you this is part of your career plan or it's even an option, if you did take a full-time job with a larger organization, you would probably be able to, to get healthcare. You know, people use the word side hustle a lot or the hustle economy and all that. And I think uh, sometimes the word hustle takes on weird meanings, but I'll say this, anyone that has two part-time jobs or three or more that has uh, a household income structured like Carrie is recommending or suggesting, I should say, not recommending. That is the harsh reality of the hustle, right? If you hustle, meaning you have multiple part-time jobs to create one full house, household income, you, you lose out on things like health insurance. You lose out on the ability to participate in an employer-sponsored retirement plan, thus missing out 
on matching contributions, which can make the retirement problem easier for you. And it definitely separates the classes, right? Because the longer you go having a non-traditional sort of income plan by having two or three jobs, this, this side hustle economy, this, this gig economy, the longer you do that, the longer you are without the benefits. And the benefits being healthcare, which will become more affordable and less of a hassle if you're working with a large employer. Or number two, and it just as meaningful, are things like 401k contributions and 401k, uh, the ability to contribute and the ability to receive matching funds. And let's not also forget while I'm in a mood and we're talking about negative things, you also miss out on things like disability insurance. What are the chances? This is not meant to be condescending. It's just observational. What are the chances that a 25 year old woman living in a giant city, and it doesn't matter that she's a woman, could be a man or a woman or anything else. What are the chances that this person working two part-time jobs has personally secured disability insurance for themselves? I would put the chances at none. There's a 0% chance someone working two part-time jobs in a large city at 25 years old has disability insurance. Disability insurance in many respects is more important than things like life insurance because you're more likely to become disabled before the age of retirement than you are to die before the age of retirement. By the way, I'm not suggesting you also don't have life insurance. Carrie, let's say you're in a relationship with a significant other and you financially depend on each other and you're working two jobs and they're working two jobs and you, something happens to you. And I know what, let's have, them, have something happen to them. They're dead. What happens to your household income? It gets cut in half. That's why life insurance is important and meaningful. And when you don't have a full-time job, when you have two part-time jobs, rarely do you take the time or do you know that you should secure that on the side? So long answer to a short question, go to healthcare.gov and <laughs> you can get your coverage. Oh boy, Nicole, I continue to be in a mood. As we both do. I think I'm just serious. I think, right? This whole week, we've kind of just been dialed in. The I know. Whole, the whole week. All right, we're out of time. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week. And that's it. I'm Pete the Planner. Every day living through the peace of my soul, I remain whole even in the middle of the pain. Even though my life has the rain, I still remain sane, writing and creating for my life. And my pen is my sword given by the Lord, and I use it to fight the tides of restriction. Sometimes I'm conflicted, find myself looking at the trees too much and can't see the forest. Enemies shall inherit the earth, and I want to inherit something, something other than the high blood pressure and diabetes. So work is what I gotta do. Stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from and look out for the lumberjacks. Running with the gale force wind at my back. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. This lays great errors to rest. Let me remain calm until it all calms down. Back on the Pete the Planner Show, I'm the aforementioned host. Happy holidays, everybody. Uh, Nicole, uh, we're, we're, before we get the biggest waste of money of the week, what do you think oh. Oh. about this idea mm -hmm. that sending holiday cards is both wasteful from a resources perspective, including natural resources and money, mm -hmm. and also causes clutter? Uh, so I've heard this I've, from friends that subscribe to this idea. Where do you line up on this? Uh, I kind of agree with it. I don't know. You're not a card family yet. No, we're not a card family yet. Um, 
But I don't know. I totally understand. I get it. I think it's kind of a waste of a waste of resources. And then, like, my mom always has, like, this little cute silver sleigh that she puts the the Christmas cards that she gets from family members. But You also, said the sleigh is cute? It is cute. Okay, go ahead. Keep I, going. I'm uh, yeah. just making sure. Uh, right, of course. Um, but then after that, they just get thrown away. Yeah, here's the thing. Um, by the way, everyone thinks I'm frugal. Can you please let them know I'm not? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not a hypocrite either, but I do, I've never claimed to be frugal. And everyone's like, this comes from the man who doesn't eat leftovers. I, I and see now people are going to be accusatory there. I just, they, I don't know. See now, now I seem bougie, which also I am. <laughs> you kind of are. But here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> I love getting Christmas cards. I love every year. <gasps> do you really? But here, but not from you. Wait. No, I want to see pictures. No, listen, just listen. I got to see pictures of people's kids as they grow up. Okay, that's my, adorable. My friends that I don't get to see all the time, I love coming home from work every day and opening Christmas cards and seeing my friends' kids. And I just, I love it. And it's like, well, why don't you spend time with them? I'm like, that's Kitty. not going to happen. But I love Christmas cards because He's of softy. that. That's I'm adorable. A, I know. And so I don't think Christmas cards are a waste or holiday cards or Hanukkah cards or whatever you happen to celebrate. I think they're a good, way, a good, good waste of money. But here are some bad waste of money. Here are this week's biggest waste of money of the week. I have two. Frank has one. We'll start with one of mine. Let me make sure I'm in the right order here. Oh, no. Now I'm nervous. Uh-oh. Oh, I, I think I got it. Okay. Oh, no. Maybe I don't. <gasps> oh, here we go. Uh, the first one. And then I'll get to look at the second one. Where you go. Okay. Tiffany and Company, Sterling Silver Building Blocks. <laughs> you won't be using them to build any massive models. But these Tiffany and Company sterling silver building blocks will look far more mature <laughs> on your desk than plastic counterparts. This handcrafted set consists of 10 pieces, including nine sterling silver and American walnut bricks in various sizes and a single solid sterling silver block to top it off. Each set is also numbered and lettered. Nicole, these are... Highly polished silver and walnut Legos. What? That you, you get 10 Legos. Did you hear that? 10. 10 Legos. That's it? You get 10. What am I supposed to build with 10? You get 10, and they're not even big. They're just, they're really small. Are they like actual Lego sized? Yes. Yes, they absolutely what? are ripoff of Legos. And guess how much they cost? 10. 10 pieces. $1,650. Cool. I was going to say $1,500. So, yeah. Can you imagine paying $1,650 for 10 Legos? No. That doesn't seem great. That's not making America great again. No, it's not. What's your... (laughs) Let's just let that go. What what do do you... (laughs) Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, I know. kind of is. What is yours? What is your biggest waste of money of the week? The Porsche design lighter. Okay. Is it Porsche or Porsche? The Porsche. Is it pronounced Porsche? I don't know. No one knows. No one knows. What is it? Uh, the cigar lighter from Porsche Design is equipped to tackle the biggest cigars and provide a perfect even light every time. The black lighter boasts a single motion trigger that activates two wind-resistant adjustable torch jets that are reliable no matter where you light up. The sleek, lightweight design feels good in your hand and also includes a cigar pouch that is ideal for travel or when a cutter isn't handy. The finish... Uh, it's finished with an integrated window that displays the exact level of lighter fluid left in the refillable 1.5 gram tank. 
I have a guess. Please. 350 bucks. No, only 180, but still. Yeah, I mean, a lighter's a lighter. Right? I don't. I told you this before. I used to carry a Zippo in college. Have oh, we talked yeah. about this? Yes, we have. On the air? Yeah. What a nerd. Yeah. I didn't even smoke. I know. That's my favorite part. <laughs> what was I doing with it? I look like an arsonist. It's <laughs> like a juvenile arsonist. <laughs> what? I mean, can you imagine what sort of jerk just walks around with a with a Zippo lighter in their pants? I bet Mrs. Planner loved that. I, I You know what? I pray to the Lord Jesus Christ right now <laughs> that she doesn't remember that. Or she doesn't know. God, we should call her on the air and ask her, but that would be the worst thing I could possibly do. Oh, that's call my wife on the so air. funny. Yeah, no, that's the last Terrible thing. idea. Yeah, All right, here's no. my second biggest waste of money of the week. <clears throat> the Clue Luxury... <laughs> I can't talk. Uh-oh. Clue Luxury Edition. It's not that Wait. different from the game you grew up playing. It's just... <laughs> it's better. This luxury... <laughs> ver- <laughs> <laughs> this luxury version of the whodunit game lets the game play out in three-dimensional rooms held Whoa. in a burl finished wood cabinet and displayed under a tempered glass top what all the usual suspects are here colonel mustard miss scarlet etc depicted on gold foil stamped cards and accompanied by plated die cast weapons and wooden character movers with plated die cast bases a matching detective score pad and set of pencils are also included, and all the accessories store away in a faux leather box. Not included, a copy of the terrific 1985 film, undoubtedly the best movie ever to be based on a board game. Before we go too much deeper, let's acknowledge the movie. Have you seen the movie, Clue? I have. Do you love it? Yeah. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Very underrated movie. So it came out in 1985, which would have made me eight years old, right? Can't so relate. I remember, what's that? I Don't. said can't relate. <laughs> Just because you're eight years old now. Um, oh, burn. So, so a couple years in, let's say it came out on TV in 87 or 88. I was still 10 years old. I can't relate. There's so, so much innuendo in the yes. movie that I first started loving the movie before I even understood it. Right? Oh my gosh. So now watching it as an adult is a completely different experience, But which brings me to my point. By the way, this thing costs 250 bucks. You didn't even let me guess. Oh, how much do you think? It, it's re- irrelevant now. So as a family, the Dunn family, uh, Mrs. Planner, myself, and, and uh, my two loud children, we play Clue a lot. Uh, as did I as a child. So we play it a lot at our house. And I need to make some observations as to why this is a tremendous waste of money. My children, God love them, and I do too, they're animals. They will break yeah. and ruin anything. The phrase, this is why we can't have nice things, <laughs> is tattooed on the small of my back. <laughs> It, they break everything. I mean, literally everything. My son, if you give him something within 90 seconds, it's, it's dismembered yeah. completely. So there's that, right? There's that so idea. There's that. Number two, <laughs> it's like, why do you need a, why does a board game that, why does it need to be 250 bucks? Like, isn't this getting to the point of like, well, that's just stupid. I mean, are you going to like play it and then put it away or do you play it and then keep it out? And everyone's right. like, is it on display? Dude, like... is that a leather clue set? And then no one's going to be <laughs> impressed by it. People right. are just going to no. think you're dumb. No one says it without any inner. Dude. Yeah. Is no. that a leather? Is that golden boss clue card? Everyone's like, dude, is that a leather clue set? Is that a faux leather box? Yeah, not vegan leather. Are those. Uh, 
die cast weapons <laughs> like Wait, no one cares have you seen the new life the game of life edition that they recently put out is it like this or no? <laughs> no it's it's for it's like millennial uh, so it's got like no one buys debt. a house it's like crippling debt and everyone has student loans oh yeah i can see and that and people get divorced left and right it's really funny <laughs> that sounds sad <laughs> to me but yes it is funny like the job that they have are for like influencers yeah yeah they're great um one last thing about Clue before we leave the show for the week. And by the way, everyone has officially tuned out. Yep. No one is still listening to the program. People on the podcast, people on the radio, no one cares. At My this mom point. might be listening still. JoJo is listening. Listen. Hi, JoJo. Um, now in the new version of Clue, which we have, they've switched out characters. Now, I don't forget who they got rid of and who they added. Miss <gasps> Orchid. There's a Miss Orchid now? Wait. Did they get rid of, is it Mrs. Peacock? No, she's in there. She's still there? I think Mrs. Mi- Mrs. Green, <gasps> Mr. Green. Oh, Mr. Oh, Professor Green? I don't know. Someone Mrs. got Green. Yeah, We got to go. Okay. Show's over. Sorry. Nicole, we'll see you here one last time next week. Oh, You'll yeah, be here. I will. Send in everybody else good vibes. Good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this here, well, it's my show. This is for information purposes only. not the scissors, financial planning device. Consult a financial divisor. Pinning my hand, microphone on the stand, over vinyl I command and demand. Magnificence in an instance, I can make you dance, cry, or love, fly as a dove. Released from Everest, the fresh is fresh, and you can call me E.T. Word to John Tesh. Let me bless this harmonic presentation. It's amazing, so amazing, I'm the reason. Uh. Salutations, I bring you love trying greetings from a far away land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love trying can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it? The tinkling of the keys is an homage to the little, little star. I sojourn over poetic descriptions of sound and travel to my other world. Out of this world, spaceship on my arm took me home, filled by the ink and the megabytes and the hypertext transfer protocol stronger than the Skynet and the Terminator. I push faders into warp speed, glide with ease, creating a breeze they call a black hole, event horizon, no rear view concerns. This I adjourn, adjourn, and beats I burn, I burn, I burn, I burn. This I adjourn, and beats I burn, I burn. Salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings from a far away land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, try, can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it?